friends of friends welcome back to the film alchemist podcast the show where we look at movies we love break them apart to find out what gives them their magic i'm your host josh griffey or at least the guy wearing his skin face face skin you know what i meant joined as always by my uh what do they call him in the cr- title card invalid annoying rolling down the hill peeing in a coffee pot uh, and Pod Brother. Definitely Alex Dandino. Yeah, Alex Dandino, Franklin, very, very much. Very similar say. characters. All right, guys, this month, as you know, the pod breaks bread. So these are all movies that feature a famous dentist, uh, dinner scene, right? People right. breaking bread, right? Sharing a meal. Classic. Uh, this one, to me, I was like, this is absolutely my all-time favorite uh, family having a meal scene in any movie of all time. <laughs> So I was so excited to add uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre to the list. Now, I told you before the show, we had a little rumble before the show. Because for me, I was worried about this show. Because any movie that's so important to me and ranks so high on my list, I worry about covering. Because you never know if you'll do it justice or not. Right. And then you hit me with the, I think this movie sucks. Yeah. And now you have given me new purpose, right? Like all these teens running from Leatherface, I have purpose to stay alive. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, I've seen this movie a lot. Of all, like, the slasher movies, this is bizarrely, like, one that I've seen often enough. And I don't know what it is about. Maybe it's um, the you know, world we're living in. Maybe I'm just older. But, like, honestly, this is the, this is the first time I've watched this movie, and I'm like, Oh my god, I'm so fucking bored. Like I was just like, I don't know what's going on. Cut, cut, cut. Pods over. <laughs> Wrap up the mics. <laughs> Wrap up the mics. No, uh. <laughs> but I was like, I'm like, this is good though because we've got to talk about this because I I have to get to the bottom of why I feel this way because I don't think it's accurate. Like this is the important thing. Like I don't think I'm right. Like that's the now, problem. Here's what I don't want to put you in this corner, right? Because a lot of the people coming to the show recently are. Friends we've made on Twitter, right, in the horror right. community. A lot of horror community. I don't want you to feel like you need to acquiesce, right? I think movie I conversations. There's something I was reading a lot of this, right? We talked about Dr. Sleep. I just saw that to get ready. Right. And there's a lot of this. If you like Dr. Sleep, you have to kind of shit on The Shining, right? Are you Team King or Team Kubrick, this and that? Right. I don't think you have to say that a classic movie is good. Like, I, to this day, don't understand why people like No Country for Old Men. I'm the only one, right? But you're like, that's fine. That's what I'm like, right. is it just because no. the guy says friendo once and there's one good scene in the whole movie? Like, that's fine. No, We'll do that movie someday not, and I'll be the and guy. And I don't feel it. like I need to acquiesce. Yes, we have a lot of friends in the horror community and it's always nice that they're nice to us. <laughs> I don't feel I need to acquiesce. What I feel I need to do is get to the bottom of why I felt this way watching this movie. Did this you time. ever like Texas Chainsaw? Was there a time you actually liked it yeah there's never been a time where i've like i haven't like had like vitriol for the movie like there's never been a time where i'm like that was garbage other than like the remake i hated the remake but like there's never been you know a time- it's funny that is also one of the most popular horror movie remakes i think it's bad but like that's like <laughs> but like i've never had a problem with it except for this time i just i don't know what it is it's so weird so i was really excited to talk about it because i have to get to the bottom of it for me now, I, I will say this, this right uh, up top. This is one of my all time favorite horror movies. Right. I think it's one of the very few movies that is truly dread inspiring because people always do this thing, right? Like, well, Michael Myers is scary because he's real. Right. 
Uh, no, he's not. He got fucking shot eight times by a bald old man and just walked away. Like, that's not real. Right. And in part two, like, nothing is real about Michael Myers for the rest of the series, right? Right. Leatherface is the perfect combination of he's very real. Right. He's very believable. He gets a lot of that kind of sympathetic heart treatment that mm-hmm. uh, some of the Jason Voorhees, uh, you know, movies bring out a lot. Right. And there's even a lot of other humanizing scenes to him. But what this movie does, and I think that's the other thing, too, is it, it does, again, a little bit better than I think Halloween does in a way, which is this is the kind of there's just so many base scary things that we don't that often are just overlooked in this film. Right. And we'll get to that. I actually think one of the things this movie did on this viewing that I was a little shocked by, I forgot how long it takes to get to the horror movie. Right. Yeah. Because and I, and I was talking to someone today about this, right? The first time we see Leatherface in his full regalia, right? Is one of those movi- moments in film that is so scarred onto my psyche, right? right. <laughs> Remember, I think I was 14 when me and my friends saw this, right? Someone's older brother or whatever had a VHS of it. And we're like, we're going to fucking steal that and watch it. Right. Because it was one of those, like, video store movies, right? I still, to this day, contend it's the greatest movie title of all time. Right? Like, I just, I heard that as a kid and I was like, the what? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Like, holy shit. And I didn't even really know much. I remember this old VHS cover and it, it became one of those... I have to find a way to see this while my mom's like, what are you doing in that aisle again? Get out of there. Right, right. You know, so when you finally see him, though, it's the rare, like when Jaws pops out of the water, you're like, eh, not great. Not amazing, right? Good moment in the movie, but doesn't live up. Leatherface all the way lived up and then exceeded my nightmares. Sure. There's this fucking barbaric yelp, the way, I mean, there's just something so fucking visceral in that moment, right? Right. But that happens 36 to 37 minutes into the film. Yeah. If they remade this movie today, and actually I should have watched the remake to be clear on this, that opening scene would be Leatherface smacking someone with a sledgehammer in the first three minutes. Yeah. And then we would cut to, no, we're on a road trip, right? They would give you the cold open taste of Leatherface. Right. And I think what this one does, paired with a couple other traits, is by postponing that so much, there is this, we have left the real world and entered pure nightmare hell. I actually you, you get feel... the first Leatherface, and then when she's just sitting in the bone room, yeah, you're just like these people aren't fo- they're not following the pact. They're not a part of society. If I, but rem- I think that that holding off could be part of what you may have found boring. But I think it ha- it adds to that enormous impact that is scarred Leatherface onto so many of our psyches. Right. I feel like. In the remake, they do that, actually. Like, what you're talking about is, like, I feel like in the remake, the beginning is literally, like, scenes from the crime scene. Because, like, look, this is easily, like, this is the thing. Like, there's pieces of this movie that I fucking love. Like, I we've talked about, like, opening crawls and opening dialogue explaining, like, the setup for the movie. This is easily my favorite. One, it's Oh, jo- my God, yes. I was going to say the same thing. It's my all-time favorite. One, it's John Larroquette. Which is just like got the greatest like this the tonight on Dateline like he has one of the greatest yeah. like Dateline voices but his like description of everything is really really it sets the the tone is set so well and well, what is crazy is they play it and this is kind of Blair Witch before Blair Witch right where you can almost get that feel of wait is this real did yeah. this really fucking well, happen yeah like they set they, it up it's like done, it's a real and then thing they cut to this this police thing right and this has become one of the iconic moments that 
that camera, the camera sound in the flash, right? Right. Of just these, because you only get flashes, these glimpses of carnage, right? No idea what it is. But so already you're in this, what the fuck is happening? It cuts to this hard red, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then we just do this slow pullout on two melded but rotting bodies tied to something. Yeah. And again, we go to the newsman. Uh, recently, some mausoleums and crypts have been raided. Uh, who's taking these grandma bodies? What? Right. And it it's a really long pullout. So what you get is this could be real. Here are some glimpses of something scary. Now look at this thing that my eye to this day has never deciphered all the way what's happening. I was like, is his head popping out of the other head? Couldn't Did tell they you. melt them together? It's so uh, weird. Yeah, and no this idea. gets back to there's a lot of this, uh, you know, Banksy-style performance art right. with all of these bodies and stuff again. But it's that kind of scene, and I think this is what the opening does so effectively, is it mixes this. There is a huge feel of true crime newsreel. Mm-hmm. And then they cut to these horrific images that are almost hard to comprehend, right? Right. And then we just spin. And the next step is, I think, one of the, I, I guess you would say in a low-budget film like this, almost a necessary evil, right? This is this is one of those movies where I think you could follow the David Mamet, cut the first 15 minutes out. You can't cut the last 15 minutes. There's no fat on the last 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Chewed to the bone is the ending. But- you could cut the first 15 minutes after that, you know, mausoleum shot, right? Yeah. Because we meet the teenagers, and to this day, I've seen this movie 20 times. I still don't really know who any of them are, except for Franklin. Yeah. Right? Franklin's, but it's because Franklin has a really distinct look. Distinct look. And distinct, the Horatio Sands. And he's obviously, he's in a wheelchair. He's the only one in a wheelchair. Got it. Copy Can that. Can we talk, this is something that struck me, because I remember uh, this was part of Joe Bob's The Last Drive-In Marathon. Right. Uh, right, his series. It wasn't part of the first one, but it came later. Uh, and he talked about this, because we were on Twitter just roasting Franklin, right? Like, one of our biggest tweets ever, I was like, would you rather spend a night in Leatherface's meat hook room or one hour in the van with Franklin? And it was like 100% I'd rather stare down Leatherface right, right. than be in a van with Franklin. Right. On this viewing, though, I was like, how did this happen? How did Franklin become the most hateable character in this movie? Because if we're being honest, one, the fact that he's this invalid, right? In his opening scene alone, there should be some form of sympathy. I actually found Franklin somewhat sympathetic on this viewing, but he's so hated. Yeah. He starts off. He's having to pee in a coffee can, and they don't put the brakes on, and just the wake from a truck sends him rolling yeah. downhill. He gets Mac and you get, Yeah, well, you get the you get the feeling that there's a lot of laughter happening on top of the hill yeah. with the uh, working leg crowd. It's just fucked up, right? But what I noticed is there, there's a lot of these moments of fucking poor Franklin, man. He gets his fucking arm cut. He gets the voodoo photo of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... The scene when they just leave him outside is they're like, let's go explore Grandpa's Airbnb, the worst one-star Airbnb of all time, with the uh, obnoxiously loud spider colony and murder rooms. Right. And uh, Franklin's trying to roll into this fucking hovel. It's one of the it's one of, <laughs> it's one of the most entertaining scenes in the movie because you know he's just like they didn't stop, they just kind of let him do his thing, and like he has that whole bit in the middle 
I can't remember like off the like, I can't remember now. Was it is he crying or pretending to laugh or something like that? Like it's an on the verge of cause what happens is it's actually a beautiful shot. This movie is way more beautifully photographed than people give it credit for too a lot. But he's trying to roll up, so there's this look from like this desecrated place, right? This right. rotting porch of his grandpa's house. And he's just out there trying, like, he's trying to roll in. (laughs) And he gets in, and the first thing he hears is the able body fun happening everywhere. You know, a little hanky-panky tomfoolery afoot. And he rolls into the house that was a place of happiness for him, and now is misery. And this is when he does his uh, porky pig fury moment. Yeah, yeah. Right? He's like, (laughs) Franklin, come along. That's what it is, yeah. But I was like, this is not... I think a lot of that kind of moment and his whininess people hold against him. Totally. Imagine that fucking moment. To be fair, though, he absolutely deserves to be whining because literally everyone leaves him alone. And not only that. Not only that. Everyone he's fat. Him- it's hot as shit. I'm a fat guy. When it's that hot, and this is a non-AC period in life, there's no joy that can happen in my life. Not only is he, not only is he in a wheelchair and it's hard to get in the house, he also, just remember, just... Someone cut himself with his pocket knife in front of him, then slashed him with a straight razor, then voodooed his Polaroid. Like, a lot of bad shit has happened to Franklin so far. Franklin's underwear are filled with dirt. His pants are covered in piss. His arm has a guaranteed 100% infection, right? And now he's just sweating, Right. right? And he's tired and just listening to someone about to fucking bang his sister. And what's he supposed to do? Be like... And I guess I'll roll on down to the water hole and fill it with tears. Sorry, guys. Right. <laughs> I, well, see, I don't know why Franklin became so hated. This is actually something. So, but then moving into the water hole thing, like when them walking, like I think it's, is it um, Kirk and Kirk and Pam, maybe? I don't know. White guy and I'm white sorry. girl. <laughs> like, yeah, Kirk and Pam. I think it's Kirk and Pam. But like, sure. it's interesting because like the, um, the shift from like that, which is like real dirty and grimy. And like, they obviously didn't like the house very much. And like, you're seeing like real, like just like someone just holding the camera rolling to this, like tracking shot of the sun as they walk like, and like the camera, the camera's like rolling behind it clearly on like, it's the smoothest shot in the whole movie. Like, right. I, I actually found that really jarring and I thought it was really strange. Like all of a sudden we're like, Oh, it's like it's like oh this is the day we had the dolly so we used it like it was such a strange like it's such a strange like transition from what we've been dealing with so far which is like hardcore like handheld stuff like not a lot of room like yeah there's a lot going on like i think yeah. that's probably the thing that i noticed first that kind of threw me i was like whoa but they I- do that shot multiple times right and this is one of the things that struck me this time is i think again we're setting it up very kind of you know, what is it? Uh, cinema verite, right? <laughs> like 90s shit. Right, yeah. Like, just shoot it, man. Just fucking shoot it. No, well, yeah, no this anything. was an $80,000 movie. Really yeah, it's su- I mean, it's one of the most successful films of all time, right? Yeah. And so it's super raw. But for some reason, yeah, those shots, as they cross towards the Sawyer property, right? Right. Or the Hewitt property, sorry. I think it's Hewitt. I don't oh, know. Oh, my God, yeah. Thomas Hewitt, I think, is Leatherface's real name. Anywho... Or is it the Sawyer family? Man, I can't remember anything. It's late, and I have had too much coffee. How can you but, possibly know? I know. Well, I have a Leatherface belt buckle. I, I'm really into this movie. I know you are. Now I outed myself as a man who owns a belt buckle. I don't wear it, but I own it. I saw it, and I was like, I just want to have this. I never wear it. When right. would a man wear a belt buckle? I don't even know. 
Anywho, there is this effect of, because this is something that struck me as well, right? Is this this leaving reality as the movie's been setting it up, right? It's it's set up very realistic and just kind of handheld grimy. Right. And these long tracking shots are very strange. There's even this shot of just a nail hammered through a wristwatch, like yeah. some kind of Salvador Dali painting. But what struck me is when they show the front of Leatherface's house, it's actually kind of idyllic. There are flowers growing. Oh, There's this yeah. beautiful shot framed through a porch swing. Well, no, or the like a freestanding swing. Like, in your- I think that's the thing that's like, that's the thing I love about this because I, <laughs> I think I texted you this. It's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a movie that exists solely to remind people never to go to Texas. Like that's how like, <laughs> <laughs> but really, what it is, it, 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 but in a way, it's this sort of metaphor for in general. Like, I would say like places that are unknown in general like yes the farmhouse is beautiful from the outside like it is this sort of idyllic looking farmhouse it's you know got green shutters and all kinds of cool stuff and then you go inside and like the first thing i noticed like especially like that hallway shot right before the dude gets fucking whacked by leatherface the first big reveal which is awesome is like hmm not a lot of places in uh, texas have slaughterhouse doors inside the house that's not a common thing (laughs) And like, yeah, I, that's that should be a red flag. Yeah. I mean, like, I wouldn't go any further into that house. There's also taxidermied shit everywhere. And again, like, yeah. that should be like just general rule of thumb for anyone <laughs> traveling. Like, if you're looking for someone, if, you see taxidermy, though, get the fuck out of there. If your wife watches enough HGTV, there are just handsome looking couples of men and their wives who just turn random things into like stuff for your house. Right. Maybe this was the first wave of Pioneer Woman or whatever that show is she watches. I don't know. But no, but I think this is an important moment, though, right? Because, again, we've had to really wait on this. And there is this – I've never done it, but I know people who have told me that they just skipped the the post-wiping uh, blood on the van to that scene where Leatherface mashes him, right? They're like, I don't need that 25 minutes of movie. Right. That's right. I, I never think it's that long to me. I just, you know, stay in the paces of it, whatnot. But, again, the outside of it looks way more idyllic than I thought. And then when you go in, you start to get the, oh, fuck, right? And not even as much until she comes in the house. That's when we're really off the rails. But I think what it does is this movie, again, it serves as this, because this is something that struck me. Their grandpa's house is really close to these people. Right. How long has this been going on? Is this a family tradition? Did he know about it? Uh, Did grandpa's almost death send them down this spiral? Well, now they're raiding the mausoleum and committing cannibalism how long have they been doing this right right because the movie makes us think the cemetery robbing is a fairly new phenomenon right and there's fucking bones everywhere yeah. right like there's already someone on the spit in the barbecue place right so there is this weird you know maybe through the depression era and things get hard when you're out on your own that people just you know let some shit slide well and so there's this this outsider mentality of you're in a new place and, of course, they just walk in because that's something you would do to a normal person's home. And once you walk into the house, it feels completely severed from anything else in the movie. Right. Oh, no, totally. Like, they change – again, like, another thing that they do, and this is really important, and visually it sends the movie into another direction, is even the back wall, like, where that where Leatherface emerges from, that bright red on the back wall, mm-hmm. that's a big visual cue. Like, it's a really important thing in film in general is, like – this is the turn of the tide. Like 
to me that's when this movie stops being like i don't know some weird like hippie documentary and actually becomes what we all expected it to be which is you know uh exploration of terror like that's really Mm kind of what this movie ends up being and again like i don't know why that you know that part's exciting and there were some i I still enjoyed like i think it mainly happens in the ending of this movie where i like totally just lost steam because this part i was still the ending i know i don't know (laughs) i I feel like the ending just fucking goes i don't know how to describe it actually i do but we'll get to that but more importantly when like the first reveal of Leatherface happens, that might be one of the coolest reveals of all time. Well, to me, this this like five minutes of film is my favorite in almost any horror movie. Short of now that I'm a parent, The Exorcist has taken on this new level of terror for me. Right. Because a lot of people, I guess it's like a new thing that's cool in some communities is to talk shit on The Exorcist. Is oh, it's not really that scary. It's kind of hokey. It's too long. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Could you imagine if your child was a tape to that bed, right? Like, I watch that movie now, and it's fucking a million times scarier, right? Not only just the the big question of, you know, oh, there is a god and a devil, but, like, my kid, right. my fucking kid, like, you know, is fucking fucking themselves with a cross. Oh, my God. Uh, but this five minutes here is probably my favorite in all of horror movies, right? You have the idyllic lead up. They walk into the house, and you're immediately like, something's fucking wrong. Leatherface emerging and the fucking moaning scream that Gunnar Hansen gives to Leatherface. There is a frenetic, frantic, primal energy to Leatherface that is my favorite of all the slashers, right? Brains this guy. His body's convulsing. He's dragging him in. Yeah. What I love about this, though, instead of that being the one beat, there's still this fucking umbilicus to the outside normal idyllic world. Right. And so we have this minute and a half to sit there and be, run run get off the fucking swing and run but we know she's not we know that she inevitably is being pulled into this house right in that decision i think it's fucking crazy because if you watch a lot of horror movies most characters who enter a place like that alone they they go on their own and they disappear right and then we have to do the hey where'd that guy go he never came back right there's this moment of wow but her being almost linked to him, right? Like those fucking climbers, they have to tie themselves together. And you know that as Leatherface is dragging her boyfriend in, she's coming in too. That is a fucking really cool extra layer, right? This inevitability of her fucking getting brained. Right. But then when she goes into the house, <clears throat> one of the scariest moments that I don't think I really give enough credence to often is just her writhing around on the floor in the bone room. Because this is the thing, right? This fucking place she's in has this facade of a home. A place not unlike the grandpa's home they were just exploring or a home she lived in. Imagine just the depravity of chickens hanging from the roof and bones and furniture. It's this total break from the social compact. I mean, the middle, like, the stuff on the wall is pretty much, I mean, look, to be honest, I've been in a lot of, I've traveled a lot for work. I've been in a lot of these kinds of houses. There's animals all over people's walls. Like, I I don't know how to explain it. The thing that I think throws you for a loop and kind of changes the whole thing is all the chicken feathers on the ground. Like, that's the shit that I think sets it off and puts it into another world. Because, again, like, you're right. It is this sort of, like, umbilicus. Like, the house itself is idyllic. Like, it's it's a farmhouse. Farmhouses are On nice. the outside, yeah. yeah. If you take away the, like, you know, the 
graveyard of cars and shit like sure. that. But it's a farmhouse. But the very like, front facade is actually nice. No, it's nice. It's a beautiful farmhouse. Like, I'm sure, you know, there's plenty of places like that in the world, and that's part of life. <laughs> and then you get inside, and it's a fucking horror fest. But that's, like, the whole point is the guts of this house are so rotten. Like, in every respect, too, because, like, that's where... That's where the meat hook room is. That's where, I mean, like, just leaving chicken feathers on the ground. And this woman is just writhing in agony of just, like, fear. Like, that's the part that I think right. is really something else is, like, oh my God. The, thing that, the thing that this movie does so well that literally absolutely 1,000% no other movie had did it before it is put you in the driver's seat. Like, until I, I, I this movie was released, what, in 1974, 75, something? Yeah, 74. Mm movie came out in 74 until then really like we were trying to make movies that were like, like i feel like this is the first one that really puts you in the driver's seat of fear like you're 100 percent with these characters the entire time because you don't know what's going to happen next like rosemary's baby is one of those movies you see and you're like oh that's really scary but it's also very elegantly made and like you know yeah. the actors are actors these are no-name actors there's a real power to casting people who you don't know because then also it makes the it weird real. part of yeah no I agree with that totally like no faces in horror movies work really well for me the thing about that separates us from Rosemary's Baby is I have to imagine there's at least a forty to fifty percent of the audience that's like I do that one yeah. night of devil sex and then uh, all my neighbors just wait on me and raise my kid for me right. like I have two kids I I would maybe still make that deal right, right. Like, I mean like, you're like so it's scary. But in a relatable way, no one is saying, oh, yeah, I'll go walk into Leatherface's house. Well, I mean, even to that point, though, too, like you're also looking at this movie from 1974, which is is it, it's after Vietnam and you're still dealing with the hippies and that kind of thing. Like there's still a lot of that essence and that vibe, but it's also in the middle of the 70s. So that's starting to really kind of go away and hippies are starting to become not the cool thing. So like. I kind of interpret that as for me, like when I watch the beginning of the movie, like the reason there's a groan factor is because yes, Franklin is annoying as hell, but at the same time, like everyone else is just like looking for a good time or whatever. And you're like, haven't we seen this shit before? Like half the time you're like, that's a fucking porno. I know it is like, you're just like, yeah. and then again, you get into the farmhouse and shit goes off the rails and changes into a different movie. And that's where, right. That's where I think you relock people in because you're right. There's 25 minutes of this movie that I would never watch again simply because like, I'm like, I don't need any of this at all. Like none of this is consequential to me knowing what's going to happen later in the movie. But right. And I, I think what happens is though, I think that breathing period is wildly important because again, there, there aren't movies nowadays that really make you wait a lot. Right. right. Like it's just horror movie mandate. Now you have to open with a big scare and then, you know, scare every six to eight pages. Like, that's just how we do them now. Right. And I feel audiences are getting more and more ADD. So the fact that this movie kind of happens, and we get some images at the start, and then they give us the van ride, which is scary enough, right? Just bringing someone into your van who has a fucking fox necklace purse yeah, that's full of all this weird shit. And this is what the movie does, though, is taking people – who are not a part of society and injecting them into places with civilized people and forcing these people to confront the fact of, Oh fuck dude, this is law of the jungle. Right. Cause there is another question in this movie I had, which is, is Leatherface? Uh, they almost play Leatherface's 
you know, the ultimate bad guy visually. But really, he's just killing people who broke into his home. (laughs) And he doesn't know necessarily why they're doing it. Now, his other brothers are kind of baiting and luring people in. And I know he's obviously a bad guy, but Leatherface is just this kind of predator, right? Like, they don't don't hint a lot at, has he been killing people from the surrounding area? Right. Is he the one that killed Grandpa? Because there was the bone and feather thing on the pillow. Uh, Did the neighbor ever eat any human meat, right? Did Grandpa eat the human meat? Did they, when they were kids... There's just this this kind of Western vibe that I like about this part when people are just on their own and trying to survive. You know what I right. mean? They talked about how the the slaughterhouse was struggling and people lose jobs and the new air guns are taking jobs. So there is a lot of this kind of lost America part of it. Oh, yeah. No, this is definitely there's a lot of Wild West essences yeah. going on here. Like, and that yeah, it, it really comes together, though, right? Because we have the umbilicus pulling her in when he grabs her. Right and puts her on the meat hook. It's it's unbearable to watch. Yeah. And then the part that is extra crazy because I I remember being like, wow, that's a slow fucking agonizing death. He just goes to work with the chainsaw on her boyfriend's body. Yeah. And she's just gonna watch. In fact, we know that she lives through it because she's still kicking around in the fucking freezer a couple hours later. So it's it's just this unbelievable world shattering moment that happens you know almost 40 minutes into the movie and i think that kind of build up right like you get an idea from the van you're like oh jesus christ yeah but there is this well he's a hitchhiker right like nowadays we all know no you never pick up a hitchhiker ever we've seen enough of these movies right uh but you're like all right maybe he's just a one-off when you get to leatherface's house i think like you said right the the slow tracking shot into this just, you know, throwing a biggest boulder you can into a serene pond. Right. It just takes on this fucking diabolical life that, you know, so few movies ever get to that level of dread, which I think is incredible. Sure. I mean, I think that, like, the most important thing about this movie, especially going into, like, what I would... Again, this movie's only 120... This movie's only an hour and 23 minutes long. Yeah. Like, it's... Rips. It's, it's tight, you know? I think that going into what equates because this is really kind of like once you get to the meat hook thing that's like the ending of the movie is like event the eventuality of the ending is so rapidly paced it feels like sometimes yeah like, i don't feel i don't feel wasted minutes towards the end of this mm-hmm. movie i think the thing that dragged me down this time and actually the more i thought i thought a lot about it today because i again I'm just like, I've watched this movie a lot before. Like, I've never mm-hmm. not, I've never watched this movie and been like, oh, God, not this movie again. Like, Have you ever watched it by yourself before? Yeah, I've watched it before. I watched it by myself before. But like, no, I mean, because this is a group movie a lot. Like, people love to inflict this movie on right. other people who haven't seen it. Well, and I don't know, but that's like, I've been like trying, I've been spending the day thinking, like, literally, I've, been, I've been on tech scouts all day for work. <laughs> and I've been like trying to figure out. What did like in my car? I'm, I've been speaking aloud. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, you've watched this movie before. Like, you haven't had a problem watching this movie multiple times. Why was this viewing like so? Just like kind of like, why were you not into it? And I thought a lot about it, and I was wondering like, well, it's not. I think it was. It's um, it's the screaming at the end. She screams almost the entirety through the ending of that movie like nonstop, this like guttural inhaling scream 
nonstop for probably the last 20 minutes of the movie. And I thought a lot about that and like how I was going to approach it tonight when we were talking about it. I was like, what is it about that? That like, not just like threw me off and made me think, Oh God, I don't like this movie because it was just like repetitive. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized how insanely vital that is to the ending of this movie. Like how important that audio alone, like you could have absolutely no other audio in this movie within those like probably last 20 minutes, like from the dinner scene down, Mm -hmm. you could have absolutely no audio except for her just like wheezing screams through the end of the movie. And it's so primal and important to like understanding like what, what it is that this person is going through. Like they're on such a, they're on such a journey that they have absolutely no control over. It's, it's, it's both like claustrophobic and terrifying and all these other things like but i'm sitting there watching it and i think that's what it was was just hearing her scream constantly i was like i'm exhausted for this woman like i'm tired right well i think i think that's a great point and i do agree with you i think it's intentionally off-putting right right i I think you could even remove the the audio sound of the chainsaw totally like you said right what you need is this woman helplessly screaming into the jungle this is the first fear of man. Right. Is that I'm alive. I don't understand why, but all I want to do is stay alive. And there are things out there that want to take my energy for themselves. Right. Right? That's why we're afraid of the dark, because in the dark could be something that wants to eat and kill us. Right, right. You know, that is our first fear, is that we are only here to be food for others, right? Wes Craven tells that great story that, you know, helped him on his horror movie trajectories. He's like, he remembered... I can't remember if he stepped on it or hit it with a BB gun or threw a rock at it, but he maimed a rat. Right. And as this rat was laying there mortally wounded, just ah, 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 just furiously, desperately find, trying to find a way to be whole again. And he, he says he'll never forget that rat screaming and so desperately clinging to life. And I think that's what this movie is about in a the biggest way is. Not only that, but there's this kind of explorer's mentality too. you know, what is beyond the edge of the map, right? They used to draw sea dragons out there and shit. That's kind of what, you know, the Hewitt family is. Right. Yeah, totally. Is they exist outside of the world as we know it, but they're also on the map, which is extra scary to think that those gray areas exist in our midst. And what I love is that the, the insane screaming and the, because this is something I had forgotten too. The way they shoot that dinner scene is fucking insane. And even before the dinner scene, right? Grandpa's first taste. Let's call it that scene. Because they they started a little bit when she runs upstairs and finds uh, Grandpa, who is not quite a corpse, but pretty fucking close, <laughs> and Grandma, who is all the way a fucking corpse. Right. Uh, maybe look like had her heart cut out or something. Very weird on that front. Um, but you start to get this. Oh, there's another level to this, right? And as she escapes the house and is fucking beaten by a broom and maybe the weirdest scene of the movie, right? Just, I'm going to fucking beat you to death with this fucking broom. Yeah. I've never seen anyone get knocked unconscious by 200 broom strikes, right? Wild scene. Sure. When she realizes she's been betrayed, right? Also, right. 101, if you're going to be the, the betrayer, uh, maybe knock her out or have her turn her back before you pull out the burlap sack and rope. That's poor kidnapping right. technique. Right. Anywho, he gets back to the house, right? And this is where the shooting just goes insane. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, there is one scene I found wildly important in this one. And I think this is another reason why this movie resonates 
even more to me is they give us the scene of Leatherface being victimized and bullied. Yeah. When that guy, this little tiny man comes in and there's just this fucking mountainous gargantuan murderer that we watch put a lady on a meat hook and club people in the face and chainsaw a body immune to the screaming of this girl. Uh, cower in fear as this little old guy comes and just fucking hits him with a broom handle. And you see him, ah, ah, he fucking runs away mm-hmm. and cowers. That scene is wildly powerful. And you rarely get this movie in any other, or this scene in any other slasher film, right? right. You know, Scream became the, oh, we're rich white kids who were bored. You know, that's kind of well, the Scream, scream traumatization. Also, scream and then Michael be- Myers is like, oh, I was just a kid. And Jason Voorhees is a bit supernatural. Right. Well, this is one of the slasher icons who even in the prime of his power is still fucking afraid. And the right. fact that Leatherface is still afraid adds a whole extra dimension onto this character. And it's one of those scenes. I didn't realize it. I had totally forgotten that scene until I rewatched it on the Joe Bob marathon. Uh, but that scene to me, that's the kind of extra. I think there's really top notch, subtle storytelling happening a lot in this movie that gets kind of washed aside in the, you know, the frantic, hitchhiker and the the pure chaos and maliciousness of the movie but there's a lot of really really good subtly scary moments in this right totally seeing leatherface brutalized and then we cut right to grandpa sucking on the finger is one of the all-time traumatizing scenes in the world you know that was real blood was it really? Yeah. There, so I was actually reading because I wanted to. Holy I shit. just wanted to know like the production process because again, it's like a seven hundred thousand dollars adjusted for inflation movie. Um, there is like apparently every actor was told. First off, every actor and crew member was told that some of their pay would be deferred until after gross box office, which is hilarious. Um, secondly, almost every actor was told at some point that they would be injured, just like just by pure happenstance. This was one of the scenes, like, when they cut her finger, apparently that is real blood. Like, that's an actual wow. cut to her finger. Was he drinking the real blood? Yeah. Or they're like, oh, fuck, we cut her, and then they cut No, to... no, no. They, like, knew they had wow. to do it, because apparently they did a lot of tests. I never heard that. Apparently it looked fake as hell, so they are like, we got to do it for real. Holy shit, that's gross. Yeah, that's That nasty. is gross. Yeah, that never would have flown, but one decade later, <laughs> it would have been like, Shut it down. Shut the whole fucking down. movie down. OSHA. Yeah. Hello? OSHA. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. But yeah, that scene is so fucking wild. And what I love, too, is I I had forgotten how extremely close up we get in these scenes. Uh, like, there's the scene where you're just looking at fucking eyeball veins. Yeah. It's almost as if the movie is saying you don't have eyelids and we're going to fucking cram this into your face. As hard and as far as far as we can against your will. Right. Because it is after Grandpa's scene and then you wake up at this kind of fucking hideous, you know, Mad Hatter tea party dinner scene. Right. It is as uncomfortable as a film can make me for the most part. Right. Yeah. Because there are movies like Human Centipede 2 that try to get me there just by like, what's the biggest fucking taboo and stupid shit I can show you? No, this but, one gets me there very naturally and through actual narrative technique. This one's super. And that the, yeah, the camera just going organic. dun, 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 dun. The fucking cl- and Like you said, just the constant screaming and him screaming back in the face. And then there's this very Rob Zombie argument happening between the two brothers. 
And, uh, you know, cut to Leatherface actually being very nurturing to Grandpa and patting his head. There's just so many elements happening that do not sync up. Right. As the camera is literally flying into your fucking eyeball. I mean, it's fucking... When they have her over the bucket, too, it is... It's unbearable to watch. It's fucking hideous. The Grandpa can't even hold the hammer. And then they kind of are hitting her on the head with it a little... You there's this manic energy in the family, right? Where now this this is where the movie reillustrates that this isn't just survival for these people. Right. Right. It's not just that we need to eat meat. There is something so vile about this scene that when she jumps through that window, and it's kind of a nice misty morning, that might be the best orgasmic cinematic feeling you could ever have. <laughs> You can almost feel the cold air hit your own body. Right. Where you're just like, Jesus Christ, thank you for getting out of that fucking house. Granted, we restart it pretty fast. Right. What about that dinner scene? Because this is what I mean. Like, we go straight from the dinner scene and the finger sucky scene right to the ending. I'm I'm a little curious. Are you in through the whole dinner scene and finger suck? Where is it that you're not interested in this? Again, I feel like it just... it graded on me so fast happens finger sucking obviously i'm in like like, (laughs) fetishes aside let's talk about let's talk about the fetish (laughs) stuff uh no you know what it is like the entire dinner scene i'm i'm like i dig like that's like the kind of that's the kind of cinema ferite that should everyone should be down for you know (laughs) um i think it's after she jumps out the window and starts running down the street i'm like I've I've never thought this watching this movie before, but like when she jumps out the window and she starts running and they do the whole thing and she gets to um, she gets to the road with the truck and everything like that. I was just like, can we be done? Like, I've just been through so much with this woman. Like, God damn, like just I'm over it. I don't know it what feels it was a little return of the king, as you're saying, right? Kind of. Yeah. Like, I was just like, why didn't we just like. I, I, it was so bizarre. I've never had that thought watching this movie before, but I literally was just sitting there just going like, this has got to be done. Like, we've got to get over. we got to be done with there, this one. There is a bit of staging that I don't love, which is she's limp running. Yeah. And Stretch is just like doing the little slices. Mm-hmm. I like the way they use the slight death by a thousand cuts kind of thing. Yeah. Because it explains away what is clearly wildly slow camera running, right? And it's just off-putting. You're like, I want to see the, like, I want you to match the ferocity of what I just saw, right? You give me the moment to breathe. Now drag me back in. Whiplash me back in. And seeing them all kind of saunter down the driveway. Right. Not the best. And then it, it does, be, but this is, this is where I would push back slightly. The staging of Leatherface just grading the trucker door. I mean, seeing his brother get run over, that's funny. Yeah. You're like, all right, that's one way to do this. Not ideal. Uh, You know, they get in the truck, right? The trucker grabs a hammer or a wrench and they just jump out the other side like fucking Scooby-Doo. I was like, stay in the truck. Yeah, I would stay in the fucking truck. Stay in the truck. Or hit the gas. Would have fucking driven off, man. Be like, fuck this. No way. But I love when they get out on the other side and he just freezes. And it's almost like when they're faking the ball and Napoleon Dynamite, like he's going to throw it at Uncle Rico. And then Leatherface, like, don't do it. Don't do it. And he gets drilled in the face. Cuts yeah. his own leg, right? right? The other car does the weirdest U-turn of all time to pick her up and almost stalls out. 
the truck driver just leaves. Yeah. Like he's just on foot now. Just like, right. So we can just assume he's dead or, after he, or, the movie. or he quit. He's just like, I quit. And he like walks to the next town or something like, cause you yeah, know. I feel like they're going to catch him before the next town. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, he's out now. He's no, he's wrenchless in the fucking Texas wilderness. Like they're just going to get in a car and find him. Like, where's the only trucker wearing the bright orange shirt? Yeah. Who's exhausted I and think, confused as hell. Yeah. I mean, I think that's my, that was my sort of issue was the ending of this movie, which that, like that particular part of the ending. I'm like, I've just been, I've been, I've, do, I've done this already. Like, I'm tired well, of like. Right. And again, like, look, I think the world of the Leatherface character, it's an amazing, it's an amazing fear inducing character because that person yeah. 1000 percent exists it's based on ed gein but you know that person is still out there somewhere like a hundred percent and that final shot of him just like writhing around the mm-hmm. chainsaw flipping in the air like that is iconically cool and scary as hell because you know the story's not over right and that's what i love right so i don't love the mechanisms of the trucks and this and that right and it does feel very kind of hacky almost look to be honest like, why with are you, we you, just if you replaced if you put the benny hill music in that's i i was like the whole i was watching it i'm like i'll give you that I, right I, it like, feels a little the, benny the jumping Hill-ish. through the semi truck not great right right especially after this wild fucking you know salvador dolly dinner we yeah. just did right <laughs> yes. that kind of stuff is so good and visceral and psychological a lot of it because this is the other thing the opening asks us to do, right? Is as they're explaining these horrific crimes, you know, corpses being stolen, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, we hear her and her invalid brother, like, what happened? What happened? Like, we're right. doing a lot of imagination work at the start. And they're talking a lot about slaughtering cows, right? And showing us juxtaposed kids and cows. So our brain is doing a lot of work throughout this entire movie right. to, you know, add to the depths of horror that we can't see. Just like, why are those chickens hanging from the roof? Why is the chandelier made a mask? Why did Leatherface change to that lady's hair with a ponytail, right? right? Like, there's a lot of bits. And then all of a sudden, we just kind of are reduced to trucks and wrench throws. I agree. But it does get us to my favorite horror movie ending of all time, which is, because I think it's really important, that mirrored image of, Leatherface just swinging his fucking, you know, totally. as the sun sets on the story. Absolutely. He is just this primal fucking inner part of the human condition that is still raging against the world, well, not defeated. Well, that's the other swinging, thing, too. Like, it's, I think what's awesome about that is like, yeah, like we're so used to seeing like so many things happen in the dark in these movies. And this movie takes place mainly in the daylight, daylight which is another great yeah. thing about it. But then. I thought about it too because I'm like, oh, that's a cool like sunset shot. I'm like, wait a second, this is supposed to be the fucking middle of the morning, like yeah. the. I mean, like I was like, oh my god, he's just gonna live his life like that. Like it's the morning. Like this is how his day's starting. Like he's yeah. like, like he's going yeah. nuts now. You wake up with Starbucks and yoga. This is his life. <laughs> this is his life. Like he is I gotta going put nuts on my now. Hillary Clinton suit and fight. face and just go out and fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like what does his lunch look like? He's like, what a day. What a day. <laughs> Goodness. You know what? I'm going to go take a nap in the feather room. This is, oh, what a day. <laughs> I need a fainting couch. My goodness. <laughs> the vapors. It's like I'm going to put on my Lindsey Graham face. The vapors. Ooh, <laughs> my wicked tongue. But, but what I love is that just you can't suppress, no matter how civilized we get, no matter what happens, even as the real world is encroaching on these dark spots of the world, right? 
right. where the older ways still win, Leatherface will always be there. And you match it with her fucking blood soak. She survived this ordeal. And not that she's drawn blood herself, but you get this sense of her reveling in the carnage, right? That right. in a way, by the the guy getting run over and Leatherface getting cut and hit with a wrench and she gets out of there, you know, starving him of his meal, she has this first rush of that primal joy that Leatherface probably experiences, right? right. There is this, this simpatico emotion to the worst moments of Leatherface and the Hewitts. Right. And I think her just completely breaking and enjoying the this fucking terrifying moment of devastation. Um the euphoria as she's about to go back to the real world and have to explain all this away and all these fuck everything changes right now. Her life is over. Right. You know, as she's const as it was constituted, it's over. But I think that the primalness of that ending, right? Those two images, her blood soaked laughing, right? It's a, it's an emotion you don't expect. Right. Leatherface actually just spinning and it's almost ballet, right? It's not some primal, like, like he's no, breaking he's like, things. There's, he's... there's like a, a whirly easy breeziness to it. It was so easy for him to do this and it'll be so easy to keep going. Right. I think those, those, uh, you know, counterintuitive images, mixed together just make this i mean this is better than any movie that ends with a oh we killed him this time right no you didn't no you didn't no this is better right take out the 100%. little benny hill moment right see i would argue with you on this though you could take out the benny hill moment but i do think you need the entire first act to stay in tow i'll give you that i think you i think especially for a first viewing the time for your brain to be because this is the other thing the title alone the texas chainsaw massacre sets you to work before you even are able to watch it. Right. I, right. So there's a lot of time of you doing a lot of work that leads to this kind of thing uh, that I think is one of those cool reveal moments that we just are pretty much never going to have in horror movies again. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important. You could take out the Benny Hill stuff. though. I'm with you on that. I could get, I, I can get behind, <laughs> I can get behind leaving in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. I don't need like all that stuff. Like if it ended with just him, like, flailing in the morning sun of like with that chainsaw like that's that's terrifying a lot in and yeah. of itself like that's like the probably the best part about it is like you know it's going to happen again like that's the cool part yeah. is it's really kind of one of the first times it's really one of the first times that like it's not like the way like you know friday the 13th has the big reveal at the end like it's not the same though because yeah, you know, like, oh, the movie, the story's not over with Friday the 13th. This one is more just like the story was never going to be over. This is absolutely yeah. how this place operates in general. So yeah. the true terror is like not knowing where that is in Texas. That's the true terror. That's anywhere right. Texas. That's pretty freaky. But I love that this movie ends on those two images, too, because Friday the 13th is a perfect corollary. Yeah. What if they had just ended on Jason pulling her under the water instead of the fucking cutting to the hospital, right? Right. End right. on the powerful image that sums up the whole journey we've been totally. on. I, I don't know. To me, I just I think this movie, again, it has all that kind of carnage and cringe and pure dread, I think, that a lot of horror movies miss. I think it does live up to its moniker. It's just this all-time horror experience. Totally. Totally in a proper way. You know, you get all the stuff that you're bargaining for. And I like that it has this room for your brain to make it even scarier, right? Right. Um, 
you know, and there is a bit of the grittiness and flaws of the movie that actually add to it a little bit. Um, I think that's the thing that I always stick with. And then the, every time I watch it, I am struck again by there is some really good filmmaking happening. And in a movie like this, you know, an interesting corollary to me is Human Centipede 2. Uh, Human Centipede 1 has some good filmmaking, but it also is relying a lot on a fucking cringy gimmick. Right. Human Centipede 2 says, oh, fuck that. We'll just make the most obnoxious movie of all time and say that it's horror. Just because it's repulsive for repulsive sake. Right. I This movie has real narrative power. And it's it's just good visual storytelling. Really much more powerful than you expect from this movie in that time period with that budget and this cast in that title. Right. Hey man, I think it's an all-timer, man. It's, it's, definitely it's in my a, top ten favorite movies of all time. It's 1,000% sure. an all-timer. Me be damned. You know what I mean? You still aren't convinced after our whole conversation. You're still like, eh. No, it's still, look, it's a it's a great movie, and I know it's important. I just, the last 25 minutes throw me for a loop. That's all. Yeah. It's not, it's not that this is the worst movie ever made. We've seen those. Like, this is an important movie, <laughs> and it's also really good and scary. That's the whole point of yeah. this kind of movie being made. It's just a preference thing. That's all. You know what's cool is I actually think this movie will continue to age really well. I agree. Because a lot of movies like this, they're shocking for their time. I think this one's going to get scarier as new audiences find it. Because they'll be like, wait, there was a time when you didn't have GPS and cell phones? Yeah. Holy shit. Totally. Like, this movie becomes even scarier with the off-the-grid concept. Absolutely. And again, I don't think any of the scares rely a lot on, you know, bad gore and this and that. It's just, it's so much more psychological than I think people give it credit for. It's not even that gory, to be honest with you. It's really. I mean, not. by today's standards, no. Like, watch this and then watch the Evil Dead remake. Right, right. And you're like, that movie has three million gallons more blood than Texas Chainsaw. Totally. But I think Texas Chainsaw is more effective in a, in a dread-inducing way. Right. That's it, guys. The pod is broken bread with the Hewitt and Bones and Chickens and Franklin. <laughs> uh, all broken, left for pieces. Uh, but we had a good time, man. I hope they invite us back. Maybe they will. Uh, so we can get some McConaughey and Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> young appearances uh that's it guys next week uh we will be doing home for the holidays uh truly the most terrifying dinner <laughs> that we are doing this entire month way scarier than the hewitt family oh my god <laughs> i can't wait to just hear i can't wait to talk about this yeah and then also guys uh in case you're interested you can follow us on letterboxd i believe it's jail griffey 621 is our letterboxd where i keep a list the film alchemist podcast list of all the movies we're doing uh, to wrap up the month, we still have It's a Disaster and Clue. I can't wait to do these last three. We're still trying desperately to make the time uh, to get through some of these amazing theater uh, experiences we've been having lately. So many fucking awesome movies have come out in the last three weeks. Uh, we're just trying to catch up, guys. So hopefully we'll get to those two. Please, wherever you find podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Just write two sentences, man. It helps us out a ton. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Film Alchemist One, Instagram, Facebook, all the other stuff. Share us with your movie loving friends, man. We appreciate it. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. <laughs> <laughs> okay, scarier sound. Franklin's Porky Pig wine. Leatherface's chainsaw. Come along, Franklin. <laughs>